Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Last weekend, uh, Harry and I uh, uh, celebrated Harry's 10th birthday, a little bit late. And uh, so Harry, if you don't know me, Harry's my uh, 10-year-old son. And so it was meant to be celebrated in February, but we had the party in April because he fractured his foot and uh, being a boy and and those sorts of things. And he wanted to play cricket at his party. So we had his party uh, last Saturday afternoon. And I've worked out that um, birthday parties for kids are about parents spending a couple of hundred dollars to make the party happen so that he gets a couple of hundred dollars in presents um, at the end of the party because he ended up with like all this cash, all this gift vouchers. So he's like bought the biggest Lego set he could find and all uh, new clothes and all these different things this week. Um, but at his party, we had this birthday cake um, that a, a friend uh, made for us, if we can put it up. It's a cookie cake, right? So it's it's multiple layers and it's, it's, it's actually about this big, uh, this this what round, and it's it's chewy cookie cake. It was it was it was one of those amazing cakes, um, and it's one of those things where sometimes you have birthday cakes, right? And and you've got the cake, and the kids come and they grab a piece of cake, and they've already shoved their faces full of food all afternoon, and so they they eat the icing off, and then you see lots of bits of cake sort of floating around everywhere. There was none of that here. I had to swap the kids away that were coming to try and steal seconds because I'm like, no, we're taking some home, and uh, and they're coming to, to to take more, and it's like. I don't know if you've ever had a cake or something that you like that much, <clears throat> that afterwards there's a little bit of leftovers, and you're having to look like, will anyone notice? <laughs> will anyone notice if I go and take the last piece of cake that's there? Or I don't know, maybe you're like uh, like me, and, and you're there at a party, and there's uh, Tim Tam, a packet of Tim Tams there, and you're all sitting around the table, and maybe you've had coffee afterwards or something, and there's one Tim Tam left on the table. And, and you don't want to take the Tim Tam because it's like, well, if, everyone, if I take the Tim Tam, everyone's going to look at me like, I, I want this Tim Tam. You know, like, look, look you, you greedy person taking the last Tim Tam. So what you do is you pretend to be generous and you pick up the packet and you go, would anyone like the last Tim Tam? <laughs> Knowing that they're going to say no too. And let, well, if you know them really well, someone will grab it and take it. But you know, you, you know that they won't take it. And you're like, oh, well, you've looked like you've offered the Tim Tam to people and they're, they're ready to take it. It's our natural instinct to think that way. We're always naturally thinking, looking out for number one, how can I get the last piece of cake? How can I get the, the thing that I really want? Maybe for you, it's, it's not cake. Maybe you're one of those shopping center stampede people. You know, when the sales are on and you're there at 5 a.m. at the door, I've never done this ever. Um, or maybe you're like, you have to have the latest iPhone. I know people out and they're in the line and they're ready to, because it's like, I'm going to be the one that gets to that first because I want it. It's for me. Maybe you, and please, if you are, sorry, but don't be this person. Maybe you're the school car park, mum or dad. Who's got, who does the school pickup run? Anyone does the school? The school car park, mum or dad. Who, uh, there's a system, right? It's, it's called, if, if there's two lanes merging, you just take turns. It's really easy. It's not that hard. But there's always people out there who are like, no. I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in more of a rush than anyone else, so I'm going to be the one that busts through or I'm going to be one that parks in the loading zone in right in the middle of it and just gets out because we're always looking out 
for number one. We're always looking out for, for what we can do. I, I, I am known to have a little, I don't road rage, but let, let's just call it internal road rage in the school car park. What are you doing? And, and to the point where I had to pick myself up the other day because Harry's in the car with me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm rubbing off on my child. I'm influencing him into this, into this road rage. But whatever it is for you, we, we find it so easy to, it's our default, isn't it? It's our, it's our fallen human nature that it's so easy to, to go to that default of, of being selfish, of, of me first. Look out for number one, <clears throat> you hear some people say. It's so easy to default to that. And yet when we look at Jesus, he spends so much time teaching us and showing us the example of what it's like to put others first, of what it's like to, to, to serve and, and to make others ahead of yourself. And Jesus, all throughout uh, Scripture, he tells us not to serve, uh, not to come to be served, but to serve and, and, and to give. He came to give his life as a ransom for others. He tells us repeatedly that the first will be last and the last will be first. I, I, I find it interesting that when the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, which sort of reminds me about, I don't know, 10-year-old boys arguing who's the best at something, like, no, but I did this and then I did that. And the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and, and, and some of them even had... had um, had their mum go, James and John, their mum go to Jesus and, you know, uh, you know, who's the, which one's going to sit at the right and the left? And, and Jesus, he doesn't actually rebuke them for seeking greatness, but he actually says, hey, if you, you're after greatness, here's the, here's the way greatness is. He actually flips the whole thing on its head and says, greatness is not putting yourself first. Greatness is not putting yourself at the top of the tree. Greatness is actually serving. And he, he says, actually, if you want to be great, Here's how you do it. You actually put others first. You actually serve others. You actually make yourself last. He tells us not to take the great seat at the table, but to offer it up to others. He tells us not to invite those to dinner, just the ones who can pay us back, but to invite those where there's nothing in it for us. These are the things. And, and he puts this on repeat again and again and again for his disciples. He lived it. He taught it. He imparted it into them. And they got a hold of it. And so it's no surprise when we come to the early church to see an others-focused church, a community of believers together who, who were not thinking of themselves first, who, who were united together and not saying, well, I want this and I want that. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure they had their moments where, where human nature crept back in, but they had this imparted from Jesus. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued together in the temple, to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? I read that and go, wow. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes in my imagination go, what would it have been like to have been there? Yeah. The, the, the very first church plant, uh, to be there with them as a part of this. And I'm like, the, 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 the oneness, the community they had was, was something special. And in Acts chapter 4, it it says it again in verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They had. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. What an amazing statement to think. For the... For, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought them and put the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. There's this picture of the early church and I think about it, I go, what amazing community they had. See, Jesus created this idea of his church. Jesus created his church. He's the head of his church. He created this idea that it's community and, and what the picture that he painted, the example he gave and then the, what the, this early church lived out is so attractive and it's so powerful. And whilst I don't think we've uh, arrived, I, I do think there's a great sense of community in our church. Sure, we can get better and we're not perfect, but there's, we have something great here going on as well. We have something special. Do we have plenty to work on? I'm sure we do. All of us individually do and together we do as well. But I see a whole host of us already starting to live out aspects of this already. Yeah, it's so different from the society that we're in today. People are desperate for community in our society today. People are hanging out for community. I, I heard the other day that 23% of adult Australians live by themselves. They are the only person that lives in their house. And, and that might be a case for you. That might be, but I'm like, there's a lot of people living by themselves. Australians were asked, uh, what's the most important gathering place in their community in terms of, of, of somewhere to, to come together to meet people? 4% said the Scouts or the PCYC. Uh, 5% said the local church. It was a lot higher a few generations ago, but praise God, we've got a great local church here for people to come to. 6% said the local school. 11% said community centre. 16% said a park or a sports ground. 19%, I thought this was low, I thought it would be higher, said a pub or a club. And 39%, the winner, uh, said the local shopping centre was their place of community. And I, I found that interesting because we have a, a society that is, is longing and hanging out for community. And our, our temptation is to look at the early church and go, well, let's just copy exactly what they did. Let's just... But it's not just about copying what they did. It's about going, well, what was the heart of Jesus that he imparted into them? And how can we live that out now and today? Jesus, there was 12, sorry, not 12, Judas was, was not there by then. There was 11 disciples who had spent three years with Jesus, capturing everything about his heart for community, everything about his heart for putting others first, not me first. And so I, I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture uh, of Jesus teaching um, the disciples. It's in, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a well-known passage of Scripture, but I, I, I really feel it will capture God's heart for community and how we can begin to live that out or continue to live that out in our lives. It's in Matthew chapter 6 and it's what's known as the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and, and the thing about prayer is uh, prayer is yes petitioning God, yes it's declaring the promises of God, yes it's asking God, it, it's, it's all of those things but in the midst of doing that when we pray something happens in our heart too. We're praising God, we're declaring the promises, we're believing for things, we're asking God for things, and in the midst of all of that prayer, God is doing something in our heart as well. So we're going to read it. You may know this. It's well known. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, you can probably recite it very easily for me. We're going to read it together, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. 
says, this then is how you should pray. It's important to note that just before this, if you read it in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells everyone how, not how to pray. And, and he highlights the, the Pharisees who are, again, it's a, a self-centered me first prayer that they were, were going around on street corners and, and, and in public places and, and praying these pious prayers with the listener in mind that everyone would be impressed by their amazing prayer. And he said, understand this, they've got all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray, close your door, go go into your private place, seek out to God. And then he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love that Jesus said, didn't say here, uh, this is what you should pray. It wasn't a formula to recite, although there's no problem reciting it. There's no problem grabbing passages of Scripture and praying them out. Um, that, that, that's fantastic. But this wasn't a formula thing to just repeat. This, he said, this then is how you should pray. I noticed in this prayer that none of the personal pronouns <clears throat> were singular. They were all plural. Uh, it doesn't say, it says our Father in heaven, not my Father in heaven. I love that. It says, give us today our daily bread, not give me today my daily bread. It says, forgive us our debts, not forgive me my debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, not my debtors. Lead us into temptation, not lead me not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one, not deliver me from the evil one. And this challenged me because Jesus doesn't throw words out by accident. This wasn't by chance that he did that. He was feeling particularly happy about the group of people that were there that day and decided to make it us. It was purposeful that he did this. And it was, when we pray, it's, it's us and our and we, not me and my and I. That doesn't mean you don't pray for your own needs. But you see yourself as a part of something more than just you. You see yourself as a part of, of the church, of, it, of this community. And you go, you know what, I, I'm praying not just me and I and my, I'm praying us and we and our. So I want to highlight some things out of here. It will help us in how we pray and ultimately in how we then live out community. First one is this, we worship together. I love that it says our Father in heaven. I love that we come together to worship him. I love that we don't worship in isolation or by ourselves. I love that we come together to worship him. In this room today are so many people from so many different backgrounds that there's very little chance that, that we would ever come together in any other setting other than Jesus, other than we, we come together to worship him. He is the reason why we, we've come together to worship him and it brings us together and there's such a richness in that when we come together to worship him. Yeah. When I think throughout my life at the different people that I've built relationship with in church, in our, our one common factor has been church and Jesus, yeah. I'm like, my life is so rich because of that. Yeah. Because of the people in my life, it's so rich because I, I meet some people and they're like, other than their parents or their grandparents, they've never developed these relationships with people that are outside of their eight. They've just got sort of their friendship circle. And I'm like, I loved when I was 17 that I had a friend called Trevor who was 60 in my church. And Trevor was my biggest encouragement. Yeah, Trevor sounds like a, sorry if there's a young Trevor here, but it sounds like a 60-year-old. And Trevor would just encourage me all the time. And Trevor didn't have, but do you know what brought us together? 
What started that was our Father. We come together to worship him. There's been times when I, and talking really practically here, when, when I come into a church service and I don't feel like worshipping. Pastor James talked about this the other week, talking about praise, that praise is, is a decision we've got to make to, to, to do that. And there's times when I don't, but do you know what? The people, because we come together to worship our Father, there's people around me who, who, who just begin praising Jesus and it catches it just, it just gets a hold of you in your heart. And you're just like, I'm, I'm ready for this. It just catches and, and, and you just want to begin to praise God. Yeah. Because we come together to worship, not my father by myself at home. That's why church is so valuable. When I, in 2015, when my um, marriage first broke down, I, I, I was not in a great place, let's be honest. No one is when their marriage breaks down. But I remember I would go, would go to church out of conviction. Because I'm like, this is where I belong. This is where I need to be. It was out of conviction. But I remember going into church some days and, and I, would, I would hide up the back and sometimes I'd keep my sunnies on because I'd try and worship by myself and I'd, I, just, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't get there. And I'd go into church and the worship, the praise of our Father would lift me into his presence. It was like I just couldn't, at, for a couple of weeks there, for a while there, I couldn't get there myself and it would just pick me up and lift me and I could just, and, and, and I would get there and, and, and then in that service I could just begin to declare the goodness of God. It was the others around me, the, the, the collective we're worshipping our Father and it would carry me there and I was able to start to declare that myself. You don't know how much of an impact your worship might have. Yes, we're worshipping him. He's the object of our worship. You don't know how much that might carry someone else in your life, whether that be here on a, on a Sunday or the, the times that you have with people during the week. Because he's our father. We come to worship and to praise him. And we get to, to, to together declare his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We get to declare that together because he is our father. So we worship together. The second thing in here is we provide for each other. It says, give us today our daily bread. I've always believed that God is my provider. I've always trusted that. I remember being six years old and asking mum and dad, mum and dad, how much money do we have? And they're like, oh, we, we have enough. And, and I was like, do we have a million dollars? And and uh, and they laughed out loud, and uh, and they're like, "No, we don't have a million dollars." I'm like, "But are we going to have a mo- money? Are we going to be all right?" And I, like, "Is everything going to be?" And they're like, "Relax, Michael. It's fine." And 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 I was always taught about God as our provider, and God is my provider, and I, I trusted and, and and believed that. I I, I remember one particular time um, when I was studying, and I, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and I was driving to church in my car, and. I, the rego expired the next morning and I didn't have the money to pay for my car rego. I remember driving to church and, and I was just praying, I'm like, God, I, 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 need, I need this. And I, and I said, oh, God, what if maybe someone t- today at church could give me the money? Like that was my comment to God. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I don't want to tell you how to do it. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, I just trust you, whatever way you want to provide, you know, your method. Anyway, uh, Monday morning, uh, I go to church, I forget all about it, Monday morning, it's the last day of my car, Rego. The, the lady that worked in the church office at the time calls me up and said, Michael, I've got an envelope here for you. And it was the exact amount of my car, Rego. And I hadn't told a soul. Someone had actually, God had actually, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Like, I, I'm saying, I don't want to tell you, God, how to do it. But then he does it that way anyway. It was like, no, actually, God dropped something in my spirit there. And it was, I've known God as my provider. 
again and again and again. But I've been challenged to think about not just God as my provider, but God as our provider. Give us today our daily bread. That whatever I have in my possession is ours and not just mine. I'm not talking about perpetual refrigerator rights where you just come to my place and take what you want, but I'm, you know, from the fridge. But I am talking about me saying, no, actually, I invite you to come to my fridge. Not literally. Um, but I invite you to come to my fridge. God's provided this, and I see it not just as mine, but as ours. That if I actually have plenty and there's others around me with lack, do, how, do I see God as my provider or just as, as our provider or just my provider? What's my response when I see it? And, and, and a change in mindset happens when we begin to pray this. God, I believe for provision. God, for our provision. Not just, not just my provision and my family, but God, I believe for our provision as a church community. God, I believe for, for these and pray for people by name. God, I believe for provision for these people. And God, and maybe God will use you. Maybe sometimes he'll use someone else, but, but you go, well, what? And, and then, because the, the natural thing, if you're praying for this, Provision for us is to go, well, what do I have in my hand? What opportunity do I have to help somebody else? God is our provider, not just my provider. Number three, we live in right relationship with each other. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This challenged me when I read this from an us perspective. Because when I ask for forgiveness of my sins, and I need to do that regularly, I'm generally just thinking of my sins, my shortcomings. Yet Jesus here encourages us to pray for forgiveness of all our debts and shortcomings. It's this sense of, of when it comes to prayer, God, forgive us. Not, 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 in a, um, not in a going to God and listing all the ways that we see people sinning and falling short. Not in a, a pick the, the, the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. I, I'm not talking about that or I'm, I'm not talking about the, the, the gossip prayers where it's like, and Jesus, I, I, I really pray for Kim, you know, in a, in a group setting because, you know, I saw her the other day and she had a brown paper bag and I was worried about what was in it. And, you know, I'm the, which I didn't see Kim with a brown paper bag. I'm not talking about though. I, I'm talking about this genuine God. If we've missed it, help us. Help, help us get right, God. Help us do this. Help us represent you, Jesus, the best way that we possibly can. It's a genuine heart of repentance that says, God, we've missed it. God, we've fallen short. God, help us to be more like you, Jesus. Because we don't walk this alone. We're in this together. And then forgiving others as we forgive our debtors. See, we don't live in isolation. Forgiving others is, a, is an our and us thing not just a me and I thing as well. We, we're part of a, a church family here. If I was to sin against Pastor James, if I was to call him a rotten mongrel, there you go, that's, that's not very nice. I would never call him that. But if I was, and then I was repentant, oh, I'm sorry, mate, I shouldn't have said that to you. And he comes to me and, and, and you would all agree he would need to forgive me. That, that's biblical, that's there. But do you know what else is probably likely going to have to happen? Paul is probably going to have to forgive me too. Because she's going to be upset at what I've said to James. And you know what? Many of you, if you knew of it and heard of it, are probably going to have to forgive me as well. Because forgiveness is not always just a, we need to go to a person and, 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 and seek forgiveness, absolutely. But, but when you're in community, it's not always that clean cut. 
It's messy. It's, it's, it, 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 it's all over the place. It's, it's not. It's, and so we've got to guard our hearts against offense, but then also to say, well, actually, pick something up here. I, I, need, to walk, I need to forgive. I, I need to let go of this. Remember when I was uh, about 19, and in the, the church at the time, the, the young adults, there's, you know, there's always dramas and different things at, at that sort of you know, 15 to 19-year-old age. There's probably dramas at every stage of life, to be honest, but there's definitely dramas at that stage of life. And I remember one of the uh, young ladies in our uh, church, one of my good friends, came up to me and said, oh, told me about what this other teenage girl had said to her, and it was, it was nasty. It was, it was pretty off what she had said to her, not nice at all. And I was driving in the car with my brother Andy. Uh, and Andy's two years younger than me, but Andy's probably got the most integrity of any person I've ever met. He, he just is so integrous. And I'm driving in the car and I had taken on this offence. And I, I said, Andy, do you hear what she said about her? And he just looks at me, deadpan, and goes, nah, and I don't want to either. And I loved it. And I had to, in that moment, just, I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. I had to ask him for forgiveness. He's like, no, that's cool. But then, then I had to get my heart right towards this person. She hadn't done it to me, but she'd done it to someone I loved. And we're in, in relationship, we're in community together. And, and so it was like, no, no I, have to, I have to forgive. It's an ours and us thing, not just a me and my thing. You know, if I'm genuinely struggling with forgiveness, I find the best remedy for that is to pray for that person. And again, not a, God, I pray that you would change that person. Prayer. God, I pray. God, God, release me. God, bless them. God, God, I forgive them. God, bless, bless their family. Begin to pray for the different areas of their life. I find if I'm struggling with unforgiveness, when I genuinely pray for that person, not tell God about that person, but pray for that person, it starts to release something in my heart so that I can walk in forgiveness towards them because we're called to live in right relationship with each other. Number four, we look out for each other. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This sense that we're looking out for each other, that we're part of a family and a faith community. As much as I would at different times fight with my brothers as a kid, someone crossed my brother, he was on. I could have been into him one minute, but someone else gets into him for the same thing and it, it's on because we're family and you don't mess with family. And it's, it's, it's all, I remember I was in grade, my youngest brother Shane, six years younger than me, I was in grade seven at school and he was in grade one and I heard of these you know, kids picking on him and I, I went and I'm like, grade seven kid to go and sort it out and then, then I'm like, they're grade ones, what am I going to do to these little grade one kids? I can't do anything, they're just like, they're so little and you know, even his friends picking on him were cute. Like, they, you know, they're, they're, they're just... <laughs> But there's this sense of we're family, we're looking out for each other, we're sticking up for each other, we've got each other covered. When it comes to prayer, God, God, lead us not into temptation. It's out of that heart of God, we're covering each other in this prayer. We're praying for each other so that then we're looking out for each other as well and living that way. It says, the Bible says that the devil goes about seeking like, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I've decided that he may not devour me, but I've also decided he may not devour you either. Because we're in this together. That's what community looks like. Uh, State of Origin 3 in 2015 was an amazing night in my life. Um, Queensland won 52 to 6, that helped. Um, but that wasn't the main reason. 
I was going through a rough time, marriage, the whole, I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't doing great. And it was my birthday. And to make sure that I wasn't alone, my, my dad and my brothers drove down that night to spend the night at our place and, uh, and, and to hang out. And you know what? Dad made the worst, like he bought, he bought black and gold hamburger patties and they were like, they were disgraceful. <laughs> And these terrible burger buns, and, and he burned stuff as well, so it was all burnt, and there was iceberg lettuce on there, and um, you know, the, the, you know that almost the plastic cheese, you gotta tell you, like, they were the worst burgers ever. Yeah. They were terrible. But I didn't care. And, and that night, Queensland won, and, and back then, Harry confused Queensland with the Broncos. And, and so, the, when the Broncos score a lot of tries, which unfortunately they're not doing at the moment, but when they do, Buck the Bronco, right, does a lap of the, 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 the field. And so, he was confusing Queensland with the Broncos. And so, every time Queensland scored a try or kicked a point that night, he wanted one of us to get out on all fours, and he hopped on our back, and we were Buck the Bronco riding around the lounge room. And because Queensland scored 52 points that night, it was, we, 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 we were just, the whole night was simply Buck the Bronco going around the lounge room. And you know what? In the midst of everything, oh, I just, I laughed like I needed to so badly that night. It's because family just showed up and said, I'm here. Family just showed up and said, oh, I, we're turning up. They didn't ask me to come. They told me they were coming. They just turned up. There's people like that that need us to just turn up. You know, I've I've got a, a friend that I worked with um, for a number of years, and 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 she last late last year her her adult daughter, she, her daughter Ellie's was 33, and she died of cancer. And it was it was it was terrible. And in in the lead up, we were all praying with with her for healing. I went and prayed with Ellie myself. I we prayed and believed for healing, and and. and she went to be, she, her faith was incredible and, and inspiring and the worship time she had with people and, 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 and she went to be with Jesus. And, um, and, you know, when things like that happen, often everyone's praying and believing and then it happens and then people stop showing up in people's lives afterwards. And I'm like, and not because they don't care, it's just because they don't know what to say. I've had people disappear because, oh, it's not they don't care, they just don't know what to say. And I just made the commitment. I'm like, I'm, I'm turning up. And I, I just let them know. And it was never in an intrusive way because I'm like, they had some good people around them and everything at the time. But I, I would text um, text this couple and I'd just say, hey, I'd always text them, love you and praying for you in the lead up. And, and, but when, when she, she passed away, I, I kept doing that. And I just said, hey, there's zero pressure. You don't even have to reply. But every time I'm up on the Sunshine Coast, I'm going to let you know. Just, and I'll just be there, even if it's just to stop and give you a hug. I'll be there. And they took me up on it and we had it and, and they're just so appreciative because it's like we just have to keep showing up for each other. And I let them talk for a whole hour and they asked me questions about my life and they tried to find me a wife and all these different things in the, in the time that we had together. But it was, it, it's just showing up. It's just saying I'm turning up. Yeah, Brandon's trying to help me with that too. But he's, he, I don't want his help. He's annoying me. Um, <laughs> It's showing up. Let's keep showing up for each other. Keep turning up. You know, I've seen many different church communities um, and being a part of a couple, um, what we have here is pretty special. Um, 
it isn't just special because of the great leadership from Pastor James and Paula. That, that sets culture, but they can't do that. that. That can't be effective without you and I turning up, without you and I buying in. Keep buying in. Keep turning up. Keep saying, I'm part of this. Let's start it in our prayer life where we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm praying our Father in heaven. Because he's, uh, give us today our daily bread. God, who, who's, who needs provision right now? I'm praying and believing for that earnestly. Give us today our daily bread. Um, to forgive us our debts. God, help us to be more like you, Jesus. As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive each other. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Because we just, we keep praying for each other and we keep showing up for each other. It's a picture of community that Jesus paints. It's so beautiful. It's so great. We're so privileged to be a part of it. And we're so privileged to say, let's bring as many people into it as we possibly can. Because we have a community that is crying out to know. We have all around us people that are crying out to belong. People that are crying out for community. They need Jesus and they need his church around them. People desire and want that. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.